There was something special about Marlon Brando in the 1940s when he was in acting school. The teachers saw it, and so did the students. The once quiet, mysterious young man started to show signs of progress. On the stage, there were moments of greatness. The students, they were surprised. The teachers, maybe. One of his friends and students said this about Marlon Brando in the 1940s while he attended acting school. Quote, It was like your idiot child waking up one morning and playing Mozart. End of quote. The brilliance was always inside. Marlon Brando just needed somebody or something to let it come out. And it showed. And then Marlon let the rest of the world see it as well. Thank you. This is the Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski. This is Brando Redux Part 3. Sit back. Relax. I hope you enjoy this show. Marlon Brando is starting to kick ass. Oh, yeah. He's got all of his bases covered in the late 40s. Doing well in acting school. I mean, he's getting it. The teachers are now fawning over his talent. And especially Stella Adler. His acting teacher adored him. And not only will Stella help him in school, but she's going to help him in the real world. She had her sights set on making this young man one of the brightest stars of the stage. So here we go. We're going to kick off this episode of Brando Redux Part 3, talking about the young career of Marlon Brando. And although he's still in school and doing quite well, things clicking, moments happening, right? He's beautiful. Getting all these women. <laughs> what, a, what a life. Feeling good. And although he's got demons, right? And we all got them. Some more than others. And Marlon Brando had a lot. We touched on him in his previous shows. He's still feeling pretty good about stuff. I mean, here he is, right? A young man in the 40s. There's a war going on. World War II at this time. And although Brando, going to military school, things like that, but he would have been a a prime candidate to go fight for his country in World War II. But he didn't. I think that he did go and get, uh, what, checked out. You know, you get a physical and everything. Um, I I think that he failed in some way. And I should have wrote that down. But he didn't go and fight like my grandfather did. Like my grandparents are the same age as Marlon Brando. My grandfathers, both of them, went off and fought for their country. World War II. Not Marlon Brando. He was studying acting in New York City. Sleeping with a bunch of beautiful women and men. 
and having the time of his life, man. <laughs> Free. Just being a, a young man, a beautiful young man in a big city. I mean, what a world. And a lot of men his age are off. I mean, there are men dying in Japan, Italy. My grandfather, his eye got shot out. And my grandfather's brother stormed the beach at Normandy, died at the age of 17. And here's Marlon in acting school having the time of his life. Not fighting for his country. And that's not his fault, man. It just happened to fall that way for Mr. Brando. And there's a story where Marlon and his buddies are laying on the top of a building, right? You know, on the top of a building, you can get to the very, very top and look over the city. Well, they would do this on top of their apartment complexes. In the summertime, they would go up on the roof and lay and get, you know, suntanned. And they would joke about how there are kids their age overseas dying on, in strange lands. And here we are, lying on the top of a building, getting some sun. Boy, we're lucky. And they were. Marlon Brando took advantage of all of this. And it was summertime. So the class decided... And this is from the kids in class decided to set up sort of a summer stock theater production, which means they just kept working through the summer instead of just having fun. They thought, hey, we'll put on a few plays. And they did. The kids got together. They they set it all up. They even had a few teachers cooperate. So Marlon Brando uh, spent that summer just acting, fucking (laughs) Getting into trouble. Having a blast. And during these productions, they would have casting agents come and watch their shows. This is important to all you actors out there. Even if you're in school. And whatever you're doing, you're working great. And it's great to have a paycheck, of course. But even if you're not getting a paycheck from acting, you still got to work. Do something. Even if if it's for free, you're always growing. You're putting yourself out there for someone to see you. And if you have talent, someone will see you, no matter if you're getting paid or not, and give you a chance. Marlon Brando was so good at a few of these productions in Summerstock, doing things for free, just to do it, to grow, to become better at your craft. That he was having people see his talent. And because of that would get offers in the future. But we're going to bring up Stella Adler once again. Because she plays a huge part in how Marlon Brando got his foot in the door. I was going to say feet. Both feet walked in the door. Stella Adler reached out. Used her connections to get Marlon Brando auditions. Folks, that's the way it works. (laughs) You know, and you hate to think like that. I think most of you out there, not all, but most of you got your jobs because of somebody you knew. 
a rumor you heard, right? Oh, by the way, the rumor is there's a position open at this place. I'm going to put a good word in for you. That happens all the time. Somebody you know gives you a leg up, helps you out, gives you great advice. This is what happens to most successful entertainers slash actors. Not all of them, but most of them. Even Marlon Brando, right? Oh, he did it all because of his talent. That's not the case. And although that might happen with other actors, most of them get in the door by somebody they know. Okay. Look at all these uh, actors that have famous fathers or mothers, whatever. Helps to know people. Okay. That's not a big thing. People are not going to be like, whoa, what a revelation. (laughs) Stella Adler helped Marlon Brando get his foot in the door. And after that, Marlon flew. And although Brando was horrible at auditions, straight up horrible, there was always this mystery about him. In some of his earliest work on stage in New York City, he struggled. He was still growing. He didn't have it all figured out just yet. But there were people like directors, producers, and other actors he was with saw the moments. It all made it worthwhile to put up with this guy because he was not easy to get along with. He was all over the place with his life. And when that occurs, you are all over the place with your art. I think that's just plain as day. You are who you are. And Marlon Brando was very complicated. He didn't keep a strict schedule in his personal life. Although he did keep strict schedules with women, the rest of his life was a mess. You would be not surprised to see Marlon Brando sleeping on anybody's couch. He was being sort of sponsored by his family, okay? Which meant that he didn't have to pay for acting school. His parents did. He didn't have to pay for his apartment. His parents did. His dad. It's called, you know, kind of being sponsored. Where other kids had to have jobs to pay for their rent. Jobs to pay for their classes. And treating acting school and acting as a top priority in their life. A hundred percent. I'm going to be an actor. Like this is what I'm going to do. That's not what Marlon Brando did. Marlon gave an air that he really didn't care. Oh, I'll take a few classes. Uh, I'll do a few plays. Uh, I might be an actor. That's what he told people. Or that is how it came across. Basically... We'll see what happens. (laughs) It's quite amazing to me. Because that's true. It's amazing to me that. Here you got this kid. This guy. Good looking. Loads of talent. uh, Wows the teachers. um, But shows no signs whatsoever. Of being serious about it. It's just something I'm doing right now. Sort of a. 
poetic way to go about anything is to sort of go into it lighthearted and free and whatever happens, happens. Where there's other students that are driven, like this is it. And I'm going to work so hard <laughs> and, and show that I care. Like I'm going to show up every day. I'm going to give my all. And then you got the other guy, lackadaisical, eh, so I don't really want to do this today and doesn't. Or gives off airs that, you know, I might do something else after this acting thing. We'll see what happens. So there was a mystique about this kid. He was poetic. He was smooth. Standoffish. Funny. Strange. His sexual appetites. His mannerisms. The way he looked at you. Took you in. Made you feel weird. But interested. You wanted to be a part. Of whatever was going on. With the young Marlon Brando. Because he was interesting. And you kind of knew he was going somewhere. And you may want to be a part. Of his reality. But do you? Did the people around Marlon Brando. Want to be involved. In his bullshit. Because he displayed great amounts of bullshit in his personal life. Turning people off. Turning them on. Turning them off. Ignoring them. Treating them like they were the most important people ever on the planet. The conversations Brando would have with his friends. About life. Death. All this philosophical talk. What does it all mean? Why are we here? Why are we in acting school? Does it make sense Does it mean anything? What are we really doing in our lives? How many women are we going to sleep with before it makes sense? (laughs) Walking this planet and being somebody that's doing good. Marlon Brando wanted to be important. But how? His dad told him, acting. Really, son? You're going to put on makeup? You're going to prance around the stage like a sissy girl? Is that what you're going to do with your life? Be a man. And although you're making money, bud, are you really a man? He had that in his head. And he hated his father for it. Despised him. Wanted to beat him up. And although Marlon Brando had a chance. And this is from Brando. To blow his dad's head off one time. The dad was beaten on the mom. When Marlon was a teenager. Beaten on her. And Marlon's story is. That he couldn't take it anymore. Picked up the gun. That was in the house. Ran up the stairs. Threw open the door. Pointed the gun at his father and stated, if you ever touch her again, I will fucking kill you. He hated his father. Everything he stood for. But his father was still a part of him. And he knew that. You are, folks. You got your parents inside. You can deny it all you want. But they're a part of you. You're a part of them. And deep down, 
Bud Brando, Marlon Brando Jr., wanted his dad's love. And did he ever get it? I don't think so. And when Senior Brando died, Marlon was almost relieved that that part of his life, that hovering force of negativity, hate, demeaning, was gone. I'm not sure if Mr. Brando loved his son. He might have. But he sure had a shitty way of showing it. And all of this pertains to this show. And what shaped Marlon Brando. Because he was doing well. At moments at a time. Where people around him knew. They were seeing something that the world hasn't seen yet. And Marlon treated it like it was no big deal. As so what? And I've said before, Brando knew he was good. He just didn't want to admit it. Because he had a thing hanging over him. This isn't important. Acting is not important. It's fun. It's a nice paycheck. If you're a big star. But is it really important? Is what you're doing changing the world? And though Marlon Brando felt, maybe I can in the beginning. And although my dad and others feel that acting is not a real man's work, maybe in some way I could do some good with this, help others. And in the process, Brando grew as an actor. He was a mumbler. He'd get up on stage and mumble. You couldn't understand him because he was shy within himself on stage. Shy to show his true self because it was hurtful. As an actor, you got to dig, dig deep into you to make it work. And why was Marlon Brando able to show that to the audience, to his teachers? Something flipped inside of him, a switch. Was it a teacher that flipped that switch? Or was it Marlon? It was Marlon. With the teacher's help, he was able to flip it, but you got to do it within you. Being an actor requires you to flip a switch that's not easy to do. And it was really hard for Marlon Brando to do it. The director of one production that Marlon Brando was in on stage in New York City. He was doing the same shit. Mumbling every day. Every rehearsal. The rest of the cast so just upset. Discouraged. Frustrated. That this talented young man was mumbling every day. And there was no progression. The director was pissed. Said, everybody else clear the stage. Marlon, you stay where you're at. There was a rope on the stage. You know, a rope that you would climb in gym class. Well, the director had Marlon go all the way up the rope and come back down. 
And it was easy for Marlon to do this. He was very athletic. He worked out. And so he did. Went up. Came down. He a little winded. Director said, go ahead with your lines. And Marlon said him a little better. Not mumbling, but they could hear him. Oh, good start. Director said, go up that rope again. <laughs> he did. Came back down. All right, say your lines again. And he did. And once again, they were even better than the second time he did it. He was getting there. Director was impressed yet. He goes, you, you got more in you. Go up in that rope twice and come back down. Marlon's getting pissed. This is not easy work. <laughs> Although, you know, uh, is, you know, he was physically able to do it. But going up rope like that, it's not easy. Brando came down for the last time red, heated, pissed. <laughs> Director said, now do your scene. And Brando exploded. There was something that this director did with him going up that rope that exposed and got him so upset. He showed his rage to the director, producer, and the rest of the cast. They couldn't believe it. There was so much fire in this man. Marlon Brando had so much emotion. That's why he's so good. He feels so much. Some people feel every second of every day. It's almost like the world is too much for them. They feel too much. Everything affects them. And they don't forget it either. It gets down in you. And it stirs. And you'll never forget certain feelings. They're just always there. Brando suffered from anxiety. Big time. He had a lot of fear. Devastating things that happened to him in his childhood. Will forever. Shape his craft. His life. And the stage gave him an outlet. To release. And he did. And when he did. You actually get to see true emotion. Something that not everybody can do in front of an audience. That's my point. We all have emotion and we can show it in our family. We can show it only to ourselves, locked in a closet, if that's your thing. But others can show it on the stage. Not easy. How many people do you know think that they could go on stage and give true emotion, showing yourself? This is not easy. And why? I'm highlighting Marlon Brando again. <laughs> this is the three, four, the sixth show about Brando. And there could be seven. Well, I got to take a sip of my tea. I got tea here. And I don't have a drop left. Man. Uh, I, I want to thank everybody that's listening. There may not be many. I mean, this is a part three of Brando. Uh, only the diehard real fans of my show <laughs> are listening to me right now. And I think this is really good stuff. I hope you agree with me that diving into uh, the art form of acting is fun. 
I enjoy it. I watch Marlon and I see somebody that actually knows what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, there's actors we love. And we go, man, what a great job De Niro does. And what a great job, DiCaprio. I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again the other night. Boy, DiCaprio, you're fucking good. <laughs> but there's something about Brando. Is it because it was a different time period and you have that whole, like, the golden age? I really enjoy the vintage stuff, like, where it all spawns and you get to see them young. Okay, Brando's past. And you go back and you see him in black and white stuff. And it's just, it's really cool. That mystique of it. I love it. The vintage stuff. Great. Is it that? Or is it his innate ability to give us something we don't see every day? As far as movies go, TV shows, stage plays you go to. Did anybody have the amount of talent that Brando had? And I'm talking about an actor going up there and giving a performance whether it's on stage or on screen. And they're so good. Like, they're on another level. And that's what I mean about Brando. Other level shit that maybe others don't see. And how revolutionary it was. Um, the fact that he created like this new aspect of acting. It came out of him. And he got support, but he was showing it on the stage in New York City in the 40s. People taking notice. He gave performances in New York City that were so memorable, people said, that in this one play about a Jewish traditional play, uh, he played a very main, a very main very main character. He played a main character on Broadway. And there was a scene where he had to pick up a flag. And his back was showing to the audience. And his shirt had been ripped. So all you could see was his back with a flag. And he had to walk up the stairs back to the audience with a flag. And his bare back, people said, was so expressive that people cried in the audience. His sister said, Jocelyn, she saw this performance, took the subway home, cried all the way home because of just that moment. Brando's back was so expressive. His back. <laughs> How do you do that? How can you show emotion in your back? That's how good he was. <laughs> if he was able to do that on stage in New York City, blowing people away, people saying, what was that is special, unique, groundbreaking. And when you watch Marlon Brando and The Godfather on the waterfront, Last Tango in Paris, Apocalypse Now, Julius Caesar, the men, 
Streetcar. Watch these films. You are seeing genius work. Genius. It's nearly flawless acting, although every now and then, you will catch Marlon Brando completely off. It's rare. It is. But it does happen. Um, It could be a take where he just threw away his lines and the director just happened to keep it. Um, But here. I'm not off point. This is the point. On stage. Broadway, New York City. In the 40s. Early 50s. Marlon Brando proved to a lot of people. Directors. Critics. Those who love theater. Look out. (laughs) It's bound to happen. This guy is going to Hollywood. And here's a question. Was Brando happy? A little. And this is the only thing. That was positive in Brando's life. Acting. Everything else. For example. His mother Dodie left senior. At one point. In Marlon's stay in New York. When he was in acting school. And. After that. I think Brando actually was in Broadway productions. And senior and Dodie split. Didn't get divorced. But took some time away. (laughs) Dodie Brando. Excuse me. The mom. Moved into a pretty big apartment in Manhattan. Of course, Marlon was there. Jocelyn was there and Franny, the whole family. They were together again. No dad. Mom held court. Kids, their friends, whoever the hell wanted to come over to Dodie's apartment in New York City, they were welcome. And it was a playground. I mean, you could show up at 3 o'clock in the morning there, and it was okay. Door was open for anybody. It was crazy there. Parties. Get-togethers. Uh, shows they would do. They would play games. It was a free-for-all. And Marlon was happy a bit. At that time because his mom was there. But she was still drinking a lot. (laughs) She would hide beer. Not beer but like liquor. All over the place. They'd find it. Mom. This morning drinking. It's got to (laughs) stop. If you start at noon. That's better. Um, But Marlon and Dodie. Like I mentioned before. Had a strange relationship. Um, It was a Freudian thing. Like I've stated in the past. I believe that. And and I think that the mom. Saw the way Marlon. Was treating his acting. And life. All over the place. And why was she surprised at this? And she would scold him. You know. Bud. Because he'd bring women home. All the time. Women. Girls. Whatever. And there were a lot. And. The mom was getting concerned that Bud was treating his life just like garbage. 
There you, I mean, that's the way, the best way I can describe it. He was sort of trashy. I hate to say that, but Marlon was a bit trashy in his young life. Big time. Anyway, the point of the story that I, I'm going to wrap up here about Dodie being in New York City at a vital time in Marlon's life. Starting to get successful on stage. Dodie decides to move back with Senior. And Marlon was very upset by this. He wanted her to stay. He wanted her. With him. He was jealous. This is my opinion. Marlon was jealous that his mom was going back to asshole. Why are you doing this, mom? And I even put a scene in my screenplay of Marlon Brando. This was a key scene in my screenplay. I had a scene where I have a Dodie and Marlon sitting down in the middle of the night where Marlon comes back from one of his productions on Broadway, comes home, sees that Dodie's up, and has a nice conversation with his mom right before she heads back to the dad. And they sort of talk it out. Mom, don't go back to that fucker. Stay. Stay here. Get clean. Sober up. Hey, maybe even take acting here. You loved it before. Do it again. Stay with us. Don't leave me, Mom. And Dodie, although taking that in and sort of processing that, knew she had to go back. Why did she have to go back? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Did deep down, Dodie, did she love Senior? I mean, they loved each other at one point. Was there still love there? Why did she want to go back to Senior? Marlon was a bit crushed by this. That Dodie left. He left. Big part of his life. Okay. Getting off of that subject. Gone. (laughs) Dodie, go. Get, go. And she did. She went. She went back to senior. So, whatever. We got to touch on, just for a bit, about Streetcar on stage in New York City. Because I forgot to mention a story. About him getting the role of Stanley. And he was up for the role. A few guys were. And uh, the director. Ilya Kazan had Brando go up. To meet Tennessee Williams. The writer of A Streetcar Named Desire. It was part of the audition process. That Marlon Brando had to go. To Tennessee's place. His house. And he did. He was late. But he showed. And Tennessee had a. I want to say a party, but a get-together. There were a few people at Tennessee's house. And when Brando showed up, the place was just a mess. The toilet wasn't working. The electricity wasn't working. And Tennessee was just in a tizzy. Brando shows up, sticks his hand down the toilet, gets it unclogged, fixes the toilet. Checks the box downstairs, gets the electricity working again. He came in as a superhero. It's a true story. Fixing things at Tennessee's house. 
had dinner with Tennessee and just showed a side of himself that was very appealing. Marlon Brando can turn on the charm. He can just turn it on. Tennessee, without a doubt, knew that Marlon Brando would be fine as Tennessee Williams, Stanley Kowalski. A very strong character in Tennessee's play. And Brando gave an audition that night. And I think he spent the night. I'm sure it was a great time. (laughs) Brando was really good with... I don't want to say he was fake with Tennessee. I don't think he was that weekend. I think Brando felt very comfortable with Tennessee. And very comfortable around homosexual men. Tennessee was very flamboyant. I mean, Tennessee Williams was gay and he had no problem expressing the fact that he was. He was. Brando felt very comfortable around that environment. You got to think back in the 40s and 50s, it was different back then. Folks, it was. You can deny it. I can deny it. And today, it's more open. We're getting there. But back then, it was a little bit more like, whoa, you know, we don't talk about that stuff. Brando was comfortable in that world. He identified with that. Because he himself, you know, uh, he had no problem going there. But yeah. Hey, he was open to it. And another reason why, he was such a great actor. He had all this stuff inside, able to show it. And he was open to everything. His world was so much bigger than mine. And I don't think I could ever have reached anywhere close to what a Marlon Brando could do as an actor. Because he could experience all of these things and it helps to have experience. And I love that story. (laughs) Getting that audition and nailing it and getting the role of Stanley Kowalski, blowing everybody away, changing acting forever with that production, uh, doing it uh, on film, doing it well, on the waterfront, came shortly after that and he won an Oscar. He was happy to get that Oscar. Back then, it meant something to him. He had been nominated for Streetcar. Didn't get it. Nominated for Julius Caesar. Didn't get it. (laughs) Okay? Now was on the waterfront. He got it. Well-deserved. He's very giddy. When he went up to the podium, uh, he had gum that he was chewing beforehand. Had to take it out, stick it on the seat. (laughs) He kissed Grace Kelly. That night, went to a party and actually was happy. For that was a big moment in Marlon Brando's young life. He felt accomplished. He had a direction. He was somebody as an actor. But was he somebody as a man? Did he ever feel that way in his life? That he was important? Doing something that made sense. 
And for acting, he never, ever felt that way. Never. He liked it, enjoyed it, and gave a lot of great quotes about acting. Uh, A lot of great advice. Because he lived it. I don't know if he loved it. He appreciated it. But what he did love was getting involved with causes. Getting involved with the American Indian. Indians. African-American causes. All of that meant a great deal to Marlon Brando. And he put his whole heart, his whole soul into these projects, causes, rallies, protests. He would get arrested on a reservation supporting the American Indian. He was by Martin Luther King's side during rallies, giving speeches, proclaiming how everybody should be treated equally in all aspects of life. Because Marlon had a lot of hurt inside and never felt that he could be somebody of importance. He just didn't have that in him. That somebody like him could change the world for the better in some small way. And the causes gave Brando a positive spin on life. His life. And when you see him in those causes, that's the real Marlon. He gave an interview with Johnny Carson during the middle of all of his service to these causes. And he was giving an interview on the Johnny Carson show. It was probably the 60s. And Marlon really didn't do a lot of interviews doing those shows. He just didn't do that. It wasn't him. He gave interviews for um, movies in his early career, but not many. You can't find that many. And usually in the interviews, he's, you could tell he's <laughs> violating you. The person next to him, undressing them with his eyes. Completely <laughs> humiliating them in a, in a really strange way. He did that with Dick Cavett in that interview. Very strange. Standoffish. But with Johnny Carson, he gave his little interview with Johnny. They talked about the importance of the cause. And then Brando said that this means a lot to him and any contribution would help. He's looking out into the audience. Help us. And Johnny gave a big donation to Brando. (laughs) Johnny Carson said, you convinced me. We talked earlier. I want to help. And Johnny had a check to give Brando on the show. Gave him a check. Right after Johnny gave Marlon Brando that check, as soon as that check hit Brando's hand, (laughs) Brando stood up, ended the interview, and left. (laughs) I find this so interesting because Brando gave that interview for a reason. (laughs) To say what he was doing, the cause... And then getting that check from Johnny Carson, which I'm sure was a nice check. Johnny was making some bank. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you for that. And he was gone. Because that meant something to Marlon. He didn't want to sit down in an interview, talk about movies, talk about my life, talk about acting, blah, 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 blah. 
He didn't want to do that. He wanted to talk about the cause, get that check, and hit the road. That was Marlon Brando. And he would give interviews from time to time, being deceitful, in my opinion. Always giving a little little show on how he would brush off acting, brush off this. And who I am as a man is really about these causes. That's when you get to see the real guy. That's what meant a lot to Bud Brando. That's what he wanted to be remembered by. He didn't want to be remembered as a great actor. He didn't. Which is sad. (laughs) Because that was cool, man. What you did was cool. Fun. You give people joy. And although doing all these causes made him feel like a man. Like he was doing great things. On the outside. He forgot just how important things should be on the inside. When I say that, this will lead into the next part of my show. Talking about his family. And I'm not just talking about his mom and dad and his sisters. We all know that was a mess. And he got along with his sisters just fine, actually. But I'm talking about Marlon's family. His wife, Kafsky, Anna Kafsky. It's a hard last name to say, folks. Kashfi. And the kids he had with her, uh, most notably Christian, poor kid. God. Uh, Anna and Marlon were horrible parents. Hor- horrible parents. Just horrible. She wasn't well. Anna was an addict, Com- almost just gone mentally. And of course, Marlon is a horrible dad. He'll admit it. I mean, he, he admitted it later on in his life. Um, the idea of having a family definitely appealed to Marlon. It did. But he just wasn't in him to be a good dad. <laughs> he was off shooting pictures, uh, sleeping around when married, of course, and just he's spoiling himself once again. Ignoring the fact that he had to be a dad. The idea was there, but the follow-through was not. And Christian went through the ringer, his son. And when Marlon decided to divorce Anna because she was crazy, uh, the divorce was so messy, folks. uh, There may not have been a messier divorce in Hollywood history than the divorce of Marlon Brando. And Anna Kafi, uh, and for the custody of Christian. So sad. The battles that went on, the fights that Christian saw between his parents, the animosity. And, and this is really interesting because a young Marlin went through this with his parents, and I'm sure it wasn't fun for him. And look what he did to Christian. I don't think he knew he was doing it. He felt that the custody battle was vital, that he would get Christian. And keep Christian away from Anna. The crazy lady. And she was pretty crazy. So for that. I don't think he realized just how much hurt. That Christian was going through. At this time. It was pretty pretty bad. At one point. Brando was off shooting a picture. And Anna had somebody kidnap Christian. Christian was kidnapped. By some freaking 
I don't know, like a group of people. And he was on a, a, a tent somewhere. Uh, Brando had some private investigator or a manhunter. I think it was a manhunter. Brando hired some fucking manhunter. Really scary guy, I guess. Christian said he was saved by some really weird looking dude. Uh, he had like a hook for a hand. <laughs> Although this guy, this manhunter is trying to save Christian. Christian was kidnapped, folks, and held against his will because Anna would want him away from Marlin. It was like a game for her. Oh, my God. <laughs> poor Christian. I felt so sorry for that poor kid. He got mixed up with drugs. Go figure. Wow, really? No way. He was an alcoholic? Bullshit. <laughs> Drank all the time. Coke. God. Just. Yeah. A lot of weed. Whatever. Poor guy. He tried to act a little bit. Uh, you can see him in a movie. I forget the name of the movie. I should have wrote that down. Got it. Uh, Christian tried to act. He was horrible. <laughs> I hate to say it like that. Here you got your dad, right? Your dad is like one of the greatest actors ever in the world. You know, and uh, maybe Christian didn't have the right support. He just didn't have it. He was, it, the project itself was pretty low budget. And Christian Brando was not an actor. He tried it. Scott. But we got to talk about his kids. And we touched on Christian. But the other child I want to bring up is Cheyenne. Cheyenne Brando. uh, Her mother was Tahitian. And when Brando did um, Bounty. Mutiny on the Bounty. They had to go to Tahiti to film it. And Brando fell in love with Tahiti. Uh, It was paradise for him. Because they didn't know who Marlon Brando was in Tahiti. They didn't care. Back in America, dude, Marlon Brando couldn't walk down the street. There was a premiere of Guys and Dolls. And Brando got out of his car at the premiere. And the women flooded him. He felt like he was going to die. You know when you're in like a crowd of people and you get like stuck in between people and you can't move? That scared the fuck out of him. Uh, uh, As much as Brando loved the money that being a star was giving him this lifestyle, he hated being famous. Hated. There are stars that love it. The narcissism. Getting the adulation. They love it. Brando hated it. So you got Tahiti, right? Mutiny and the Bounty. He's on Tahiti. Wonderful. Island. Paradise. Beautiful water. Beautiful women. Oh, yeah. And he met. And she was actually an actress in the film. Um, man. What is Cheyenne's mother's name? Oh, my gosh. You know, I used to know this stuff. But Cheyenne's mom, 
was Tahitian. She lived on that island. Didn't know who Marlon Brando was. <laughs> Marlon fell for her. Oh, yes, he did. She was gorgeous. This Tahitian actress. Oh, Marlon fell for her in hard. And that's where you get Cheyenne. Half Tahitian, half Brando. <laughs> and she was gorgeous, by the way. Cheyenne Brando, gorgeous. Gorgeous. And she had a kid later on, right? And he's gorgeous. <laughs> Good genes. Good, great genes. Cheyenne Brando. Um, and she loved her dad very much. Uh, Cheyenne really did look up to her dad. And, and this is no secret. Uh, daughters look up to their fathers. Um, so you better be a good dad. <laughs> I mean, to your daughter. I mean, it's so important for a young lady to have a strong male figure in their life. It's so vital. And Marlon Brando being a big star, um, important. Uh, Cheyenne, for this, she liked. She liked the fact that her dad was a big star. Important. But Marlon treated his other world acting and his other lifestyle, which is, well, anything else that was going on with Marlon except his kids. They were becoming more important than his immediate family, his kids, his wives. Brando couldn't commit himself to being a stable father. And I give props to any actor, busy ones that have to be on shoots, sets, uh, out of the country. Some shoots take months. They're away from their families. And if you're still able to be stable as a father, a good father figure with your kids, God bless you. You hear that? Props. If your kids consider you a good father and you're able to pull that off, Good for you. I mean, that's hard to do. It's hard enough being a father, period. Marlon Brando failed as a father. It hurts me to say things like this, but that's true. He wasn't there for his kids. In vital moments in their life. And because of this, I see this as abuse. Marlon abused his kids in some way or another with negligence, playing games, head games. I mean, if Marlon Brando is playing head games with Joe Schmo friend or co-stars or some liaison that he has with actresses, okay. And shame on you for doing it because you're fucking up people's lives here. Okay, your life might be fucked up. But why are you fucking up other people's lives? <laughs> Brandon would do that though. Okay. Don't fuck up your kids though, man. What are you doing? This is all he knew. That was Marlon's world. That's how he operated. He played games, get in people's heads, fuck with them. He was afraid. He was afraid 
to put his feet firmly on the ground and be the dad he should have been because there was love in Brando. He just didn't know how to do it. He fucked Christian up big time. And he was fucking Cheyenne up big time. And this is just my opinion. Marlon Brando abused Cheyenne. And it fucking pisses me off. He hurt that poor girl. And I don't know how far it went. And I've been trying to hide this in my soul ever since I figured it out. Because as a father, and it's just a human being, just knowing that shit goes on just angers me. And it should anger anybody that knows the difference between right and wrong and puts a big dent into how I feel about the man that Marlon Brando was. Is it true or is it possible that what Cheyenne has said She claims that her father touched her in inappropriate ways. Put her in sexual positions. Now she didn't say that Marlon had sex with her. But she did say they emulated certain positions. Not right. Fucking wrong. And and because I've gone so deep into my research of Marlon... And I've been doing it for years since, what, 1998. I've dug deep into this guy. Read his biographies several times. And when you do that, you don't miss anything. There was a part in a book. And I can't give you a specific page number or what book it was. I've read many. And they all sort of come together as one. But I remember reading, and it's in my head, that a friend of his, that he would be intimate with and just, you know, letting it out. Like, spewing things that were inside Marlon that I can't believe that he would say. But Marlon Brando would reveal himself to people in confidence. Like a secret. Marlon would do that. You get a few drinks in them and, you know, (laughs) things would come out. Truthful things. And one of his friends said that Brando told him something like a deep, dark secret. And these secrets that Brando had within him, these deep ones, God only knows how deep they were. Every now and then, he would reveal one or two to a friend And he did one night. And the friend brought up that there was a deep one. And he knew that this deep secret bothered Brando beyond all. Like there was nothing that hurt him more than this one deep dark secret. And the friend said it was about his kids. Something about his kids. And the friend brought it up to Brando again in the future. 
that something that he brought up where Brando was struggling with something as an actor. And the friend said, well, maybe you can reference what you told me about your kids or your kid. And Brando got pissed. Like, don't you ever bring that up again. And almost like Brando regretted revealing that. He would do that. Sometimes you just got to let it out. Something that's really bothering you. And something was really bothering Marlon Brando. And for that, that's good. Because the true fucked up ones don't feel bad. About their, their demons. Brando had a lot of demons. And at least he knew it. What was bothering you, Brando? Did you hurt your kids? Especially Cheyenne in that way. Because <sighs> I, I think that Marlon was hurt too by his mom. And it just... That darkness continues. The darkness. That that's darkness. And if that's true, poor Cheyenne. If it's not, bad on me. Hey, I could be completely wrong. And shame on me for even bringing it up. But folks, I wouldn't bring it up if I didn't feel there was a strong possibility of it. And I don't know if anybody else has said it. I just did. It's been referenced, but it's never been straight up said. <laughs> Disturbing things. And this will put a Cheyenne Brando in a world of hurt, confusion. She was so wild. I mean, this girl was out of control. And we're going to get into this. And uh, this is a part of the show expanding upon his kids in relation to what Christian Brando did at Marlon Brando's house, killing Cheyenne Brando's boyfriend, Dag Trollette. Christian Brando murdered (laughs) his sister's boyfriend. Why? Well, Christian says the gun just went off. No, the guns just don't. Yeah, they do, but I don't believe that. Do you? Those of you who've read up on this, this was a while ago. This was a while ago. Remember that fat Brando, old fat Brando in court, giving testimony about his son and how he told the court how shitty of a father he was? And was uh, your son murdered uh, your your daughter's boyfriend, Marlon? It's kind of a big deal. And I'm going to give you my rumor, <laughs> my theory about. I don't know, right? I'm on a roll. This is the stuff about Brando that just isn't really talked about. By the way, I'm talking about it. Love him as an actor. God bless him and his talent. But as a person, whoo doggy. I think there's a possibility that in some way, 
Marlon Brando was so good at mind games, manipulating people, studying behavior the way he did. And at one point, he was pretty fucking good at it. Is it possible that Brando found a way to make Christian so upset that night or in his immediate future that he would do something rash in getting Dag Drolat out of the way? Not only did Marlon Brando <clears throat> have a thing for his daughter. Oh, I have to say it, man. It, just saying it, I feel dirty. But Christian did as well. Folks, this stuff could be true. Could. I think it is. I think it is true. That they had Dag <laughs> put out of the picture. The way. Now I'm not saying Marlon Brandon wanted Dag dead. I'm not saying that. I, that's Now that's going to another level there. I could never say that. <laughs> but Marlon Brando had a way of getting things done, folks. It's good at it. And I don't think Marlon wanted Dag in the picture anymore. And definitely Christian didn't either. Christian heard from Marlon and his sister that Dag was beating her, abusing her. I don't know if that's true. That might be true. I have no evidence here or there about that. The abuse that Dag might have been giving Cheyenne. It got Christian so upset. That he got a gun and threatened Dag. Don't you ever touch my sister again. And it escalated. That's what Christian says. And the gun went off. No. Dag was shot. While he was sitting down on the couch. It's not like they're having a big fight. You fucking prick. You Get your hands off my sister. You know? And then Dag being. Christian just shut the fuck up. You got to think for your sister. It's weird, man. Get over her. She's mine. Rah, 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 rah. And if Dag is, you know, upset and yelling at Christian, would he be sitting down? Me, I'm standing up and I'm getting into it. He was leisurely sitting down on the couch. Christian walked in there with a purpose. He killed Dag. He killed him. Murdered him. That night. And get this. After this, Marlon Brando did the best he could, okay, <laughs> to sort of toy with the crime scene. It's true. Very suspicious behavior. Because Brando wanted to help his son, of course. Put him in the best position, okay, <laughs> to get out of this. It was an accident. We're going to make him think it was an accident. You know, Christian, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Oh, sh folks, it wasn't fine. Dag was dead. It's a very scary story. There was a murder in Marlon Brando's mansion in Beverly Hills at the hand of his son. Cheyenne, of course, after this, forget it. 
She will never be the same, of course. Ended up committing suicide. One of many women in Brando's life who attempted suicide. This is sad, sad stuff. Had to be talked about. This is the man, Marlon Brando, in his world. Fucked up world. Things you may not have known about, things you may not have wanted to know about. The next time you watch Superman is, you know, Jarrell, you'd be like, whoa, that fucker. <laughs> I hope I didn't do that for you. But this is the show, the actor's room. And Marlon Brando, as great of an actor he was, and he was amazing. Amazeballs. His life? Wow, was it interesting. I wonder how many people Marlon Brando slept with. If I were to guess, it's got to be thousands, right? Probably, I'm going to say, what didn't Wilt Chamberlain say it was like 10,000, something like that? And Charlie Sheen has been around the block a lot. You know, you got porn stars. But that's like a the porn star world. There aren't that many people. So as though porn stars, you think of sleeping with the crazy amount of people, they may not. They're only sleeping with other porn stars. So how many could that be? Where you got someone like a big actor who likes to sleep around and can get almost anybody they want at any time. Think of it. I mean, one or two a day, right? And he, <laughs> when you think about it that way, because Brando was into group sex, uh, you know, all that stuff. He slept with some really big stars like Monroe, okay, and others. I think Shelley Winters. And 20,000? Is it possible that Brando was with 20,000 people? I think it is. And for that, that is amazing. Think about that. I mean, experiencing all those other people in bed, it sounds exhausting. I mean, and it goes to show you how sad he was inside trying to fulfill that. I don't want to hear how he was just experimenting folks. I don't want to hear it. He was filling a void, this hurt inside and trying to replace it with sex. Very dangerous game. Other people may see it as innocent. It's just sex. It's just sex. It's more to it than that. Sex is a very personal, for me it is, it's a very personal, special thing. For me it is. For others it may not be. Okay, I got it. But it should be a very special thing. Brando treated it like he was brushing his teeth. And as much as he enjoyed it, it was very enjoyable. It was just another thing to fill his day. These are fascinating people. 
Marlon Brando had a dark thing within him. The demons. It was plain to see. For the outsiders and insiders in his life. And those close to Marlon felt the wrath. The darkness. And as we end this episode. This brief marathon of Marlon Brando. The Brando Redux. We got to touch on Dark Hollywood. Dark, dark. Oh, it's dark. <laughs> Is it though? Uh, folks, it's dark. I've been doing this show for about four years. Yeah, about that. And the more research I do about Hollywood, actors, films, Oh boy, I've come to realize that all the suspicions I had in the past, and I'm going far back when I was in acting school, even back in the 90s, I knew something was wrong. And it is. So we're going to touch upon this darkness. And it stems from interests that are within artful communities they have no boundaries I feel life should have boundaries life art shouldn't okay that's fine but once you start cross- crossing over art and life I have a problem. And I think a lot of actors, singers, entertainers find it fun, interesting, life changing to experience twisted art. With life. What are they getting out of this? Is it expanding their art? Their uh, careers? Their vocation? Folks? They're actors. Big stars. Big stars. Stars that you love. Love. Admire. Think that are good people. And maybe they are. And uh, shame on me for judging them. For participating in parties, get-togethers, ceremonies. That uh, exhibit, (laughs) folks, I'm trying to cut through the bullshit because I can candy coat, sugar coat stuff to make it sound a little better. And I'm trying not to do that. I know for a fact there are actors that participate in things that they shouldn't. That's my opinion. 
creepy things in art. They say it's art. I say there's a difference between art and fucked up shit. I'm going to give you one example. I know there there's this artist. And I don't know if I should say her name. Well, we'll call her H. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Miss H. She is disturbing beyond. For me. Anyway. She has. I want to call them ceremonial rituals. Slash parties. In Hollywood. Where she has her art. Displayed. Fucked up art. And then. They have a. (laughs) A big cake. And I say big. Because it's in the shape. Of a human body. And uh, they do a little chanting. And they dive right into the cake, folks. They uh, they go and they slice this puppy up. They, uh, they do. Um, I'm not sure what the ingredients are in this cake. But they, uh, yeah, yeah, that's disturbing. Why do they do that? What what is that? That that's what I want to do. I want to go to a party where I see all this really disturbing art, and then later on for kicks, do a little chanting, and then dive into a cake shaped like a human being, and then eat it. What's the point of that? There's a point to it, folks. These people feel. They're getting something out of this in sort of like an otherworldly way. And I'm not sure if I want to reveal who's at these parties because I know who's at these fucking parties. And I go, oh, God, don't let it be true. I really like these people. Are these people selling their souls? Yeah, they are. They are. What are you doing? Should I reveal who these people are? I mean, will it be a big surprise when you find out who's been doing all sorts of... And that's just one story of what goes on. What these people are doing. It really is Stanley Kubrick stuff, folks. Stanley Kubrick wasn't full of shit. He saw things that disturbed the hell out of him. Shit goes on, man. And people participate in things that are not right. Did Marlon Brando participate in some of this stuff? I don't know. He may have. He may not have. He lived next door to Jack Nicholas. Nicholas. <laughs> not the golfer. Strike that. Jack Nicholson. 
Brando and Nicholson, neighbors, right next to each other. That must have been fun. They shared women. Of course they did. Roman Polanski got busted with trying to seduce like a 13-year-old in Nicholson's house. That's a fact. Roman Polanski's a pedophile, folks. Shit goes weird. Shit happens in Hollywood. (laughs) And getting into Brando? Oh, man. It opens doors. And here we go. (laughs) The doors that Marlon Brando went through in his life were doors that were dirty. For instance, he had to walk through doors in his heart, heart-wrenching memories of his life back in Nebraska and Illinois. Deep, dark secrets. And he had to open the door and walk through those again to do his acting. And when you do that, you're opening up like this portal in you. You become freer in certain ways in your life. And Marlon Brando was now able to feel confident in doing other things that a normal person wouldn't do or experience or be open to other things in their life. And although Marlon Brando did great things for great causes, good for you, man. I mean, he was good at that. But he needed to work more on just being a good person. Other doors were, of course, sexual doors. And that gets dirty. You're fucking with people's Beings. Um, I mean, I hate to say it. If I ever had an affair under any circumstance, that would destroy my world. Me th- thinking that I could go outside my marriage like that, like that's not even, it's never entered my mind. Or if my wife would ever, ever cheat on me, like knowing that she was with somebody in that way. I mean, that means something to me. And it meant something to Marlon. It had to have. And the person he was with. How he would bounce around from bed to bed. Woman to woman. And the rumor is, he also had sex with men. Yes, he did. So what? But was he hurting them? Was it consensual? That's my concern. Wow, folks, I can't go any deeper today. Because if I do, my heart, my little pitter-patter. Can't take it. And my voice can't either. That's why I got to end it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. I have opened doors 
in the past couple of years, I never thought I'd open. They're interesting doors, but they're doing a number on me, man. Knowing this stuff, this dark stuff is happening. And the people that are doing it, what are you doing? And how do they get to there? How do you get to that place, man? And feel good about yourself. Huh? And I'll give you... I'll dangle a name. Fuck it. Holy shit. I almost... My tea. Oh, there wasn't anything in there. Anyway. I'm going to give you a name. I'm going to dangle one. It's Juicy. And I don't know how far deep it goes. This name will make you go... You're full of shit. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Uh, I'm kind of scared. But I'm not. Because... There's like a hundred people that listen to my show. <laughs> Maybe 200, I don't know. And like anybody else would give a shit. <laughs> okay. I've heard, be a little suspicious and weary of Will Farrell. Folks, Will Farrell, I said, I'm like, what? Will Ferrell? No, you meant somebody else. I mean, I get, and this is another one. I get James Franco. I get that. (laughs) I'm not surprised with that one. But Will Ferrell? Folks, that's how I'm going to end it. It's gone longer than I wanted. I said it might be one long one. It was. About an hour and a half? That's fine. I hope you're scratching your head going... What? <laughs> what? What? What just happened? What is he talking about? What is Will Ferrell doing? Uh, Will Ferrell's doing some weird, crazy shit, folks. Yeah, and maybe we'll talk more about that <laughs> in future episodes, folks. My name is Jeff Tarowski. This is the Actors Room Crazy Show. Went off the rails a bit, and the train. <laughs> The conductor train, got to get back on track. Put them back on track. Thank you for listening. Next episode, Chris Watts. Coming at you. Hope you enjoy that show, folks. That'll be very interesting shit. Marlon Brando is fascinating. Oh, yeah. But Chris Watts, that's a whole other ballgame, folks. He wasn't an actor, Uh, uh, but he was a killer, is a killer, because he's still alive. (sighs) My head's starting to hurt a little bit, man. And if you're still listening, thank you. Support the show. Go on to iTunes. I need five-star reviews, four-star reviews, comments. You go on your phone, leave me a comment, man. It means so much to me. Whenever I get a new comment on my show, I'm not kidding. It makes my month. My month. Not my day. My month. I appreciate every single person that listens to my show. And I hope that people get something out of it. Whether it's entertainment, information you've never heard of before. Just to be, I don't know, somewhat intrigued by... People of significance. I mean, 
this stuff is fascinating if it's Joe down the street, right? I mean, if Joe, your neighbor, is doing these weird things, you'd be like, interested, whoa, and scared. <laughs> Maybe we should move. Um, but, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I have friends in the business uh, that I were very close to. Um, in my early career, just studying it. That have done things I, I can't believe it, and I'm so thankful that I am where I am, or you know, I had the parents that I had, the upbringing that I had. It's important, I guess. And I was lucky that I didn't fall into holes or walk through doors I shouldn't have. Um, there's been a few doors I went no. <laughs> I won't go in those doors. And in another way, there are doors as an actor I didn't walk through because I was afraid. And that stunted my growth as an actor. I would never be as good, probably, as others because they can open those doors. And Marlon Brando opened all sorts of doors in his art and in his life. And he's a fascinating man. And I wanted to talk more about him, and I did. I, I sort of cleansed my soul of Marlon Brando. This was very therapeutical for me. Very. I got a lot of things off my chest today that I felt I needed to. Um, I feel better. <laughs> I did. Uh, I try to do this in my life now. Life is short. I, I can't be living with spite anymore in my life. Spitefulness is... Wasted energy, man. Being mad and stuff. I think <clears throat> getting it out is good. But holding a grudge is bad. It's bad. Don't hold grudges. Be angry. Let it out. But let it go. Like burst. But burst for a reason. Have it make sense. Make it have a purpose. Okay? Don't go round and round. Go forward. Don't hold grudges. Life's too short. You're going to miss out. You're holding a grudge. You're going to miss out. I don't know. That's what I believe. Thank you again. Listening to the actor's room. Is. I'd like to say. um, Just sort of reviewing life. Your life. Like around you. With art. Your family. Friends. (laughs) Uh. And getting something out of it, making you think about stuff. I love doing it. So, hey, do a lot of thinking. Do some deep thinking. Dive into a documentary you just saw. Read up on it. Go into rabbit holes, man. It's fun. <laughs> and that's what I'm going to give you next week American Murder. Chris Watts story. It's going to be interesting. I hope everybody out there is doing great. It's fall. Watch a scary movie. Enjoy it. And have a great day. Have a fantastic night. Hug your kids. Kiss your wife. Pet the dog. (laughs) And then walk him. He wants to walk. She wants to walk. Give him a walk. Alright. I'm done. This is fun. And a little... (laughs) 
Have a good one.